This morning we're going to be looking at Psalm 27, in particular through the window of verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. After the sermon, we will voice our amen together by singing from that psalm, Psalm 27, the first two verses. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, holidays are great, right? By the time the end of June rolls around, most of the children are looking forward to two months of vacation time to go and play and have fun. If you're in high school, you're looking forward to maybe having a summer job. We look forward to going camping, maybe having a road trip, or spending some time at the cottage with family and friends. Going on a holiday gives us an opportunity to to get away from it all get away from the stress and the busyness of everyday life caused by deadlines at work or pressures of one sort or another. The holiday can refresh you and energize you, and we all need that once in a while. We need a break. But while you can escape from the pressure for a little while, you cannot run away from life, can you? The life that you had before your vacation is waiting for you when you get back home. And while downtime is wonderful and even necessary, a holiday is not the ultimate answer to dealing with the ups and downs of life, is it? A holiday can take you away from your fears and anxieties for a little while, but it cannot remove them. It's not the ultimate source of relief, is it? And so I proclaim to you God's word as it comes to us in Psalm 27 with this theme, in your fear and anxiety, seek the beauty of the Lord. The world is full of beauty, isn't it? You just need to take the time to stop and reflect about it and to actually see it. And in our busy lives, we often overlook that, don't we? We overlook Beauty in God's creation, sometimes in the things that other people create, and we overlook the beauty that we, God has even created in our fellow human being. And we have very busy lives. We all have our work, we have jobs, we have families, and there's soccer practice and baseball, and there's the internet that can take up a lot of time if you like do we still take the time to admire the little things in life? That beautiful caterpillar that's crawling across the sidewalk in front of you. Or the design of a spider's web. And God, God is the, the owner and the creator of all of these things. And he's created these things for our pleasure and our enjoyment and for our enrichment. 
do we take the time to enjoy what he has given us and to enjoy one another? Do we take the time not only to enjoy the natural beauty of God's creation, but also the beauty of the people around us, the people that are sitting right here with us today? Enjoying the beauty of God's good gifts is not something that we should reserve for just a few days or weeks out of the year, but throughout our lives. And of course, as I mentioned already, there are many things that can distract us from seeing the beauty in God's good gifts. And there is so much in this fallen world that is broken. There is much that is also not beautiful. And like the psalmist, we have our fears and anxieties. We're faced with troubles and insecurities. It can be stress from work or at school or challenges with your relatives, financial stress. There's all kinds of things that can cause stress and anxiety in our lives. In Psalm 27, verse 2, David speaks of evildoers and adversaries who assail him and eat up his bones. Of course, that's a latter part. That's a metaphor. And that doesn't mean necessarily to to have personal enemies. People who have had cancer can testify to the fact that this disease is an enemy that eats up their flesh. And things like chronic pain and mental anguish, too, can, can feel like an adversary that eats away at you. Sometimes... Life can get hard, and there are things that eat away at our joy. And then there's the danger that we turn to wrong things to alleviate our pain and our difficulties. You have this, this emptiness inside you, this void, and you need to fill it with something. And it's easy to do that. We can lose ourselves in the, in the things that God has created. In our, we can lose ourselves in our work or in some kind of addiction, or some form of entertainment. And it's also so easy to lose our focus or or become so absorbed in our own fears and pains and burdens that that becomes our focus. And then we don't see anything else. We don't see much good in life anymore. We don't see the beauty of the good things God has created us and given us because those, those fade away because we take our eye off of those things. Because we're focused on our own pain and troubles. And then there's the added danger, the, the worst danger of all, is that, that we no longer see the beauty of the Lord. When we become absorbed in our own troubles, we easily lose our proper focus. And we turn away from our Father in heaven. And again, the temptation is so great to look for other things to numb our pain and to fill the void and to forget our fears. And then we even justify our own actions sometimes as, I deserve this. I need to give myself this because others aren't giving it to me. But what does the psalmist say? One thing have I asked of the Lord. One thing. Just one thing. One thing will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. 
And remember, this is the king speaking. This is David, the king of Israel. He lives in a palace. He's protected by armed guards. He has servants who will jump when he snaps a finger. And yet he has troubles and anxieties too, doesn't he? Living in the beauty of his own palace doesn't protect him from the stress and fears and anxieties that come with live with life. And those things that troubled him, they also had the potential to take his mind off of what is truly beautiful. David had many difficulties and enemies in his life. And the Lord had delivered him many times in the past. But it wasn't as if his troubles and burdens were over. Right? In verses 5 and, and 6, David speaks of his confidence in the Lord who will continue to deliver him from his troubles. He will hide me in his shelter. He will lift up my head. My head shall be lifted up. He knows that he is going to need the Lord's help again and again. Hear, O Lord, when I cry out to you. Be gracious to me. Answer me, O Lord. In verse 9, do not hide your face from me. Do not turn away from me in anger. So David, David is not hiding the fact that he is suffering and that he is struggling, that he's overwhelmed, that there are times in his life where he just can't take it anymore. But what does the Holy Spirit tell us in this psalm through David? Should he find escape in the pleasures that are available in his palace? Should he just try to get away from it all? Maybe visit the Dead Sea Spa and Hotel for a few days. If we were writing this psalm, what would we write? Maybe something like this. The one thing that I desire of the Lord is that he would make all my troubles go away. Maybe that's what we would write. Lord, just get me out of here. But by God's grace, David is not losing perspective, is he? He is asking for deliverance, but he is not consumed by his troubles. Instead, there is one thing that he desires, and that is to behold the beauty of the Lord. He realizes that the only deliverance that matters comes from drawing near to the presence of God. And notice, too, that it's not the beauty of the temple that David is so eagerly seeking. The temple hadn't even been built yet during David's lifetime. And he isn't just praying for an escape from his troubles, either, is he? But he's praying for an ongoing experience of God himself. in his time of trouble and after. He is saying that he wants his fears and anxieties to drive him into a deeper experience of who the Lord is. Beholding God's beauty, when David writes that, that points to being caught up, emotionally, spiritually, totally caught up with the very being of God. As one commentator explains, the harmony of all God's attributes is the beauty of his nature. I'm sure many of us had, have had the kind of experience where we get emotionally caught up in the beauty of something that we see in God's creation. But what David wants even more is to be caught up in the beauty of the person of God. 
He wants to be captivated by the Lord himself, to focus on him, to know what God is like, to behold his beauty. David wants to be where God is worshipped, where God is glorified, where God is. Because he knows that the Lord, the one who has created him and redeemed him, he is the ultimate definition of beauty. And how can David experience this How can he best experience this? How can he best find this? Well, he says it's in the house of God. And of course, David knows and we know that the Lord didn't only dwell in the tabernacle. God is omnipresent. And there were plenty of times in David's life where the Lord, when when David was not able to go to the tabernacle because of the circumstances in his life, but the Lord was still there for him. He acknowledges that already in verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? But that doesn't take away from his desire to live in the house of the Lord. Because there in particular, David can see the beauty of God. And why is that? That's because that is where the altar was. That is where he could hear and see and experience the goodness and the faithfulness and the mercy of God. That is where he could see physical evidence that he is a child of God. Because on that altar would be placed an animal, a sacrificial animal that had to die, whose blood had to flow for the sins of God's people and for David's sins too. So that, and then through these sacrifices, because he believed what they represented, he could come before the Lord in worship. And so behold the beauty of the Lord. And behold God's loving kindness, God's faithfulness, God's grace, God's mercy, God's love, and his care. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, is that how you know the Lord too? Are we aware of the things that can entice us from beholding the beauty of the Lord? The things that can pull us away from God, pull us down. Things that that cloud our vision so we don't see how truly beautiful the Lord is. Sometimes our own hurts and anxieties and troubles, they just can play over and over and over in our own mind. So they become an obsession for us almost. Sometimes we can be consumed by our fears and our anxieties. And then then we lose sight of the beauty and glory of the Lord. And when that happens, it's also easy for us to set our hearts on other things. Things that do not truly help. When we're consumed by hurt and pain and fear and anxiety, it's so easy to let our natural instincts take over, to become lethargic in our worship of God, or to become bitter and angry. And it's so easy to to turn to other things, to ease the pain, 
and to forget the fears. You can surf the internet for hours doing something mindless so that your mind doesn't think about anything else. And I'm sure you can think of other things that we can do to ease or try to ease the pains that we have. Brothers and sisters, these things do not satisfy, do they? These are not a source of hope and security. They can perhaps deaden your fears and your anxieties for a short period of time, but that's only temporary. And temporary relief only makes things worse because afterwards those pains and anxieties come back with a vengeance. It is only the beauty of the Lord that can alleviate our pain and our fear and anxiety. The Lord is my light and my salvation. You see, it is light that chases away darkness. We've probably experienced that, boys and girls, you too, when you lie awake in bed at night and you hear monsters whispering under your bed. And if you listen very carefully, you can even hear them moving around. When someone flicks on the light, they're all gone, aren't they? Well, those monsters are like our fears and anxieties. Right? When you point a flashlight at an imaginary noise, that flash, the light reveals it for what it is. It's not reality. And so it is with our fears. Imaginary monsters and inflated anxieties are reduced to reality if they are revealed in the light. So let us believe that the Lord will do for us what he did for David. His light illumines our way and reveals our fears and enemies for what they truly are in the light of God's care for us. And I'm not trying to say that our fears are baseless or they're all figments of our imagination. David's enemies were real. Cancer is real. Struggles in life are real. But God provides refuge in the face of struggles. The Lord is my light and my salvation and my stronghold. And if this was true for David, it is certainly true for us as well, isn't it? If David could experience this in the Old Testament, surely we can experience this in the New Testament. David could see the beauty of the Lord in the house of God. And what David saw in part, we may see in full. Because the beauty that David saw in the tabernacle was partly covered by a veil. A curtain covered the most holy place in the tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant stood. What David saw in part has now been revealed in full in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We read in Hebrews chapter 1, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, and that would include Old Testament sacrifice and temple service, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Congregation, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
And we read in scripture, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It is the Lord Jesus Christ who reveals to us the true and full beauty of the Father in heaven. He has done so in a way that no one else has ever done it. And so we must seek him and desire him and his beauty and his glory. The congregation of the Lord Jesus himself leads us and shows us the way in seeking the beauty of the Lord. When he was a young lad of 12, he wanted to be in the temple, in the house of his father. He wanted to be near the Lord. And during his entire life, he sought the presence of the Lord. And how did he do that? By being obedient. That's the one thing he desired above all, to do the will of his Father in heaven. Because by doing God's will, he could see the beauty of the Lord. And he makes it clear that we should desire this too. Take, for example, his interaction with Mary and Martha, those two sisters of Lazarus. You can read about that in Luke chapter 10. They welcome Jesus into their home. And while Mary sat at Jesus' feet to listen, Martha was busy cooking and preparing for all the guests and serving the guests. And she was upset that Mary wasn't helping her. And she said to the Lord Jesus, Don't you care that my sister is not helping me? Tell her to help me. And the Lord said, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Jesus said, one thing is needed. One thing I desire of the Lord, and that is to dwell in the house of the Lord and to behold his beauty. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, is that what you desire as well? There's one thing. If there is one thing in your life, is that the one thing? The presence of the Lord, the glory of God in the face of Jesus. David desired the beauty of the Lord. He wanted to see the priests in their robes doing their work, the work that pointed to God's faithfulness and to the peace and the reconciliation that we have in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He wanted to listen to the Levites singing, voices raised in praise to God. That reminds us of the heavenly worship of the saints described in the book of Revelation, what John saw in his visions, singing the song of redemption. All these tribes gathered together, assembled together to worship God, representing the church of Christ, a church perfected by the beauty of God and of his Christ. And so the church today, congregation, is the house of God. And she has God's beauty upon her because she is made perfect through his beauty. And that's why it is a most delightful thing to take part in worship in the company of the saints on a Sunday, meeting together to sing and to pray and to worship and to wait upon the Lord. It is a most beautiful thing to see and take part in the company of saints who walk in faith and in fellowship with the gospel. So it is, there's one thing that believers all share. 
That is to behold the beauty of the Lord and to gaze upon his face as described in the last book of the Bible. And one day we will see his perfect bride, the church of Christ, in all her perfect beauty in the new Jerusalem, having the glory of God upon her. But we're not there yet, are we? However, the closest thing to this beauty that we have on this earth is when we are together as temple of the Lord, as his people, his bride, worshiping him, singing his praises, enjoying the beauty of God through his blessing and the proclamation of the gospel of reconciliation. To hear the gospel of reconciliation, to have forgiveness of sins pronounced upon you, is to see the smiling face of God's countenance looking upon you and having fellowship with him. And the Old Testament believers, while they could see the glory of the Lord in the cloud that filled the tabernacle, but we may behold the glory of the Lord in the face of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, I trust that you have found the beauty of the Lord and a rich sense of his presence when you come together in worship, when you worship with God's people. To quote one Bible commentator, he says, I am suggesting that the actual physical worship of God in the company of other believers can be almost sacramental. And you won't find that by going on vacation, will you? You're not going to find that on the edge of a scenic lake or going on a hike in Algonquin Park. And of course, those are good things to do, wonderful things to do, sometimes even necessary things to do. But to see and experience the beauty of the Lord, we need to come together in worship. And then not just show up physically, but show up in faith. When we come in faith, when we are one with Christ by his spirit, when we believe the good news of salvation, when we're filled with the desire to please and serve the Lord, then we are gazing upon the beauty of God. And that's not a beauty that fades. And so when sickness comes, when you're faced with the debilitating effects of old age, When you're sitting beside a hospital bed where a loved one is lying, or when you experience other effects of the brokenness of this life, then seek the beauty of the Lord. His beauty can revitalize your fight against sin. It's a beauty that transfigures and reforms and redeems us into the image of Christ. And it even removes the sting of death. And finally, then, how do we proceed from here? Well, verse 14 tells us, wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord to be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Waiting is not an inactive action. Waiting takes strength and trust and courage and endurance. Those who wait for the Lord will not be discouraged. Those who wait for the Lord do not have to be overcome by their own fears. 
As the prophet Isaiah writes, they will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not grow weary. And then when we believe this, then David's confession in verse 12 will also be our confession. Or verse 13, sorry. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen.